Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz saxophonist and composer Seamus Blake. Originally from England and raised in Vancouver, Canada, this New York City cat has had a very long and savory 24-year career. He is still on the heels of promoting his 2015 CD, Superconductor, and he's always a busy cat. During that very same year of 2015, he was on a project nominated for a Grammy Award with the great pianist Gonzalo Rublakaba. In 2002, he took first place in the Thelonious Monk International Jazz Sax Competition in D.C., and as the winner, he got to perform with the legends Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock. To date, he's released 16-plus albums and has much more to say about himself and in the world of jazz. So get to know him and dig this interview, my friends. Thank you for taking a little time out to talk with me today. I appreciate it. No problem. So I'm going to go ahead and start off here. I know you're pretty good about talking about your activity that's going on with your music world. But in your own words, just kind of get me up to date with what's going on with you lately. I'm about to go to Europe. I'm going to play some gigs in Europe uh, with a trio. And um, after that, I, I come back and I have a few gigs with uh, Antonio Sanchez's band in Mexico. And then uh, that's it for the year. And then... Uh, Next year, I'm uh, I'm uh, traveling a bunch, doing some gigs with. Uh, I'm leading some different bands in Europe, like some different European uh, kind of groups. So I'll be in uh, the UK doing a tour in February, and I'll be doing a tour of uh, France and Spain, and that uh, with two separate European groups. I'm uh, trying to uh, uh, promote my uh, latest record a little bit, and I still sometimes uh, freelance for other people play in other people's groups and uh, that. so I, usually uh, that's what I'm mostly doing. Well, speaking mm-hmm. of your latest album, which is 2015's Superconductor, mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about this album. How, how do you feel about it? And it, you seem like you had a pretty good power lineup going on with this album. Going into it, I wanted to make a record uh, with uh, um, a buddy of mine from that I met in, uh, in Berkeley uh, when I was in college. Uh, Scott Kinsey and uh, we'd been friends over the years and had played some and uh, but had never really recorded anything together and he's uh, you know uh, a specialist in uh, synthesizers and that so I wanted to make a record that had some of those kinds of flavors I'd also have been uh, playing the iwi and uh, interested in that instrument for a while so I was working on that and uh, exploring that and I wanted to document some of the tunes that I had been writing with uh, with that instrument as well. At the same time, it was a, it was a new uh, label for me. Uh, I had uh, done a re- recording with Gonzalo uh, for one of Gonzalo's records. The label uh, asked me if I would like to do something for their label. And so part of my uh, inspiration and inclination was to write some music that... Uh, that could also feature Gonzalo on some songs, so I wanted to write some things that might be uh, kind of along his alley. And so, listening to his music and that, I I was reaching for some of the the kind of intricacies that he has in his music. Um, um, they asked me to ha- invite a special guest. I thought of uh, Schofield just because I had toured with him in the past in his band and uh, we had played some together and there wasn't really a recording of us playing together so I thought that that would be kind of a nice uh, uh, keepsake, a nice little memento. And uh, so that was the uh, the special guest. Um, some of the songs, um, as I was writing them, um, 
towards the the uh, maybe about a month or so before the the recording date, I thought of uh, we thought of having uh, like an ensemble on some of the tracks. I had uh, two arrangers help me with that, um, uh, Vicky Yang and um, Guillermo Klein, and uh, they did uh, some great arrangements of uh, of some tunes and of some of my tunes and. Uh, so the album uh, has uh, has I suppose for me the album is uh, kind of all the things that I wanted to do that had I hadn't been able to do up until this point. So these are like uh, reaching for for the things things that I had wanted to do in the past but hadn't been able to do yet. Well, it seems like 2015 was a good year. You were nominated for a Grammy with Gonzalo too. Talk to me a little bit about that. That was Gonzalo's record, right? Yeah, Gonzalo is, a, I mean, he's a, a, such an amazing musician, formidable piano player and composer, and uh, and uh, it's just to be around him is really great. He's an intense musician. Uh, there's kind of nobody like him, you know. He's a very, he has, uh, his music can be quite rhythmically complicated. I mean, it's, it's hard for a gringo like me to keep up with some of the cross rhythms and things that are going on you know and so it was uh it was a it was a great experience to be involved in that record and of course uh all, all the other musicians in the band too are all really really great musicians and i felt really privileged to be a part of that you know it was certainly an intense experience we rehearsed a lot for it and and trying to just even play the music was was a, a challenge it was the kind of thing where when you're playing it, if you just play your part like with a metronome, it's not so hard. But trying to play your part with all the other parts that are happening at the same time is tricky because there's a lot of one. It, it doesn't seem like one is in the normal place, you know. So it's easy yeah. to lose your footing. If you lose your footing, then you can feel like you don't know where one is, and then it makes playing your part difficult. So it was a cha- it was some of the harder music that I've had to play. Not even so much like so many like notes that are hard, but just the rhythms were hard. And Absolutely. The cro- and the cross the cross rhythms, what other people were playing, what the bass was playing, what the drums were playing underneath you. Uh, it was a challenge, but uh, yeah, it was great. It was uh, it was a great experience. Explain to me this: How does a guy that was born in England, raised in Vancouver, Canada, living now in Brooklyn, get to a point where you have this full blown jazz career going? How was your childhood? What was your lineage like? I grew up in Canada. I moved to Canada when I was young, and uh, I guess I got into music when I was about uh, seven or eight. I got into violin, and then I liked music. I got into saxophone when I was about 16 or so. became kind of obsessive with the saxophone for a while there, and um, I went to Berkeley. I went to college in Boston. I met a lot of people there in Boston who who were musicians my age and... and, uh, and I had some great teachers also. And the logical thing after being in Boston, a lot of people ended up going to New York. Uh, in jazz, New York is sort of the center for jazz still, you know. So a lot of, uh, there's a there's still a vibrant community of lots of musicians coming here. There's places to play. There's a, more venues in New York than there are in other places. So it, it's a kind of a logical choice of a place to go. I didn't necessarily know I was going to stay or anything. I moved here and uh, I enjoyed being here. 
And so uh, I did my best to stay, and I was lucky to get a green card. And after getting a green card, I was able to get a citizenship, so I've been able to stay. Wonderful. So when you were growing up, were there any albums that were hugely influential in the jazz realm that got you kind of going? One of the first albums that I really loved a lot was uh, this Cannonball Adderley record live in San Francisco. A live record, and I could really hear the uh, the feeling of the music really came through on that record a lot. Cannonball, of course, sounding just great. It's a kind of a nice blend of kind of you know Cannonball style, uh, especially in that period. Is a little there's a little bit of like kind of soul jazz. You know, there's like bluesiness, but there's also bebop and and that, that kind of thing. And uh, his sound is so great, and the, the the groove is so great. Bobby Timmons is on that record, so. It, there's like kind of this bluesy quality to it that I think uh, just was really infectious. Other records that I really liked, of course, um, Blue Train by Coltrane, Saxophone Colossus by Sonny Rollins. Um, um, of course, I was into like Miles. I liked the uh, the early Miles. I was listening to like the 50s Miles, you know, relax and work and steam in those records. And um, But I was listening to, I kind of was, open to new things too i i was into the you know this would have been the late 80s so i was into things that were happening then also you know schofield and branford marsalis and winton and michael brecker's solo record came out i think the year i was in high school one of the uh, when i was finishing high school so there were you know there was lots of interesting modern music too that uh, inspired me well that had to be cool to go and be a part of being around someone like Victor Lewis at Berkeley, and then you move on to New York City. What were those early years like for you to be baptized in such a central hub for jazz in the world? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, when I moved to New York, I basically, I, I had some people that I knew here already, so that was um, made it a little bit easier. I, would, I, I was lucky that I recorded with Victor um, even before I really officially moved to New York. And so I met some people through that. I met Eddie Henderson a little bit through that. And through Eddie Henderson, I met Kevin Hayes. I started to jam with Kevin in Brooklyn. Through Kevin, I met Bill Stewart. And I basically played as much as I could at that time and, and um, did a lot of gigs for free or little money just to kind of gain experience and to meet people. And um, I think um, that's an important Thing that you have to do in the beginning is to just uh, is to meet people and play with lots of people and uh, have uh, as, gather as much experience as you can. Um, but one good opportunity often can lead to another one if you you know if you uh, make the most of it. And I was lucky to also make my own record fairly early on. Um, I think I made a record with this drummer Billy Drummond. The the label. Uh, that label, Crisscross Records, uh, asked me about doing one of my own records. So early on, I was able to, I was able to make a record, which was a, a, a lucky thing, and it helps. I think if you're able to make some recordings, it helps people uh, hear about you even more. You know, absolutely. Um, not always, not always necessary, but but you know, I mean, uh, um, if you if you show up to a gig and you play really well, I mean, then. People hear you, and they'll call. You, and other people will call you, and so you you can, if you're looking to be a freelance musician in that respect, you know, just playing playing really well and 
and and and showing up in in in, uh, in different situations will, will will keep the ball rolling. Speaking of opportunities, in 2002, you take first place in the Thelonious Monk International Jazz Sax Competition in D.C. That had to be a pretty big door opener. And, of course, you got to play with Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock. What was that whole experience like and the afterglow? Um, I, uh, um, I kind of did it just to kind of I, – I, at the time, I didn't have uh, any gigs going on, and I, and I, uh, I thought uh, I, I would uh, – enjoy the opportunity to meet Wayne and Herbie and, and I didn't necessarily plan on winning or anything. I didn't, uh, I treated it like a gig that I, that, um, that I could prepare for. And for me, it was just a sort of an opportunity to go down and to meet, meet people. And perhaps, you know, Wayne and Herbie are two of my biggest idols. And so it was a chance maybe to meet them and to, and to, uh, you know, participate in something. It was a, it's a little bit, Tense, like if you dwell on the competitive aspect of it, it can be a little bit because uh, music isn't really a competition. You know, there's often, you know, I mean, if you had to pick, you know, between Debussy and Ravel, who's better? You know, it's like it's maybe not the point of music. But um, I tried to treat it like a, like like an important gig, and so I just tried to prepare for it as maybe like an athlete trains for a for uh you know an olympic event or something i just tried to be focused and and uh train for it and and i just saw that as positive growth you know and and an opportunity to just you know do a gig and go down to dc and maybe meet wayne and herbie so i I was surprised actually that i won i didn't really anticipate it i thought well i just i was surprised and so in terms of the after uh i think yeah i think initially it helped me uh some um, there were some uh, some opportunities that came about afterwards. I don't think it was as big of a maybe previous years like maybe when Joshua Redman won it, or there were some other years where perhaps because the industry was in a different position, I didn't really get like a record deal or anything, nothing really. It didn't change in that respect. I think it changed. It was good for me in a subtle way. It, it was something that I could uh, add to my resume and it gave me a little bit of um exposure to people um and so it was good but it it wasn't necessarily like a life-changing event or anything it was a very positive experience and something that i definitely will cherish for a long time i was uh certainly uh you know uh i will i will always remember you know going on stage after they announced the winner and, and playing a tune with, with Wayne and Herbie, and, and uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. So let's take your career and kind of stretch it out a little bit. We're looking at about 16-plus albums as a leader, over 70 as a sideman. When you look back over your career, how do you see these levels of productive output? Do you see yourself in an evolution of sound, or what, what, what is... What has kind of been the flow of your career as you've evolved as a musician? Um, I mean, I I I think uh, in terms of making records, it's just a sort of. Uh, I mean, I always have liked trying to write music, and I've always enjoyed leading a band, and so I I've tried to tried to 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 continue to do that, and for me, that feels like a kind of a 
necessary process, you know, and that's something that I enjoy. Not everyone likes to compose music or not everyone likes to try to lead a band or anything. Um, I would say, I, I guess, you know, I don't necessarily look back. Maybe that's not a good thing, but I don't often look back too much and reflect on what's happened. I'm just kind of usually moving on towards the next thing. And so um, I have my eyes on trying to make another album and trying to always learn from my mistakes in the past and just trying to do make better music and and I suppose my you know my uh, I'm influenced I continually grow as a musician and I'm influenced by different things and so sometimes those uh, new sources of inspiration and influence uh, change the way that I I am as a musician. They change the way I write, perhaps, and so there is an evolution there. I would say um, there's, you know, my style has changed over the years and and has uh, grown, and um, and so sometimes maybe when I look back on on certain periods, I maybe I I uh, I can hear the the changing influences and I can see the the evolution in that. Um, but um it uh i think um i think it's uh it's um interesting to see i mean i one thing that i that i notice is is i notice that my sound uh on the saxophone has developed better has become more full and more beautiful than when i was in my early 20s you know i could play the notes and i could kind of play fast and stuff then but i didn't have as beautiful of a sound back then. Um, so that's something that has been always important to me and I think has, I've, I've, uh, has gotten better, you know, over the years. And in terms of my compositional style, I think I've embraced other types of music more and I've, uh, opened up and been more influenced by, by other types of songwriting and that. And I think that that, I hear that more in my, my music now it doesn't mean that i don't like my older music but it just means that that uh the influences have changed and it has a perhaps maybe a broader scope yeah. absolutely well you you know the one thing that i've noticed too is over your career you've been a part of a lot of projects you've been uh mm-hmm. been on six of the grammy nominated mingus band albums you were a uh, featured guest artist at the international sax symposium held by the u.s navy dave douglas john mm-hmm. schofield How, what are these projects that you do? How do they develop you as a musician? Are these key to you in your evolution as a jazz musician? I, okay, so playing with Schofield and playing with Dave Douglas—that's me being a sideman and 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 me playing in other people's bands. And those are those are important steps, I think, to to developing as a musician. Uh, I think it's before you lead your own band, it's useful to to be in somebody else's band and see how they do it, you know, and, and you can learn a lot. It's a kind of a bit of an apprentice like uh system, you know, where you, you learn from a master, like that kind of a thing. And so those were good experiences. And, and, um, and I, I learned a lot and I'm grateful for certain, uh, and the Mingus band also, you know, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a it's a necessary step I think in order to in order to figure out what your music is and to and to try to lead your own band. 
I, I mean, there are some people that maybe bypass those kinds of steps and just go straight into doing their own thing, uh, child prodigy or somebody like Joey Alexander maybe or something. But it's actually great, good to take your time and to evolve slowly. It can almost give you a more, more, more grounding, uh, and a more solid footing in, in, in terms of uh, who you are as a musician and, and, what, how you want to, how you want to uh, take on leading a band and, and creating your own music. So you know, there's been a, the people that you've mentioned. You played with jazz heroes, and you've mentioned influences in your life. If you could get into a time machine and see a jazz musician live, where would you go? And who would you see? Oh wow! I mean, there's a lot of people. I mean, I have a lot of people that I love. You know, so I mean, I. Um, I mean, uh, I'd love to, you know, hear somebody like Art Tatum play, or I'd love to see Charlie Parker play, or Coltrane play, or I never did get to see Miles play live, you know, that that would be amazing. Love to be, you know, front and center row hearing Miles' band or something like that. But uh, I mean, yeah, you know, I have a lot of I have a lot of idols, and and uh, a, a lot of them are are dead, but. Um, but you know, um, that's what's amazing about having recordings and 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 even things like YouTube is so much video and stuff to to watch. And um, although I'm not sure YouTube is well, YouTube is both good and bad. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily. Uh, there's a bad side to it too. But um, but yeah, I um, Coltrane, Miles, Charlie Parker, Duke Ellington. Um, you know, those those are some people that I would love to go step back and see. So let me ask you this. As a practitioner of jazz, you spent a lot of years in the idiom. Why do you love jazz? I think why I like jazz is that it, um, I think that it um, encourages people to, to be themselves. It encourages people to think on their feet and to improvise and to, uh, because I think in life, you know, you have, it, it's, uh, it's, it's good to be your own person and to have your own thoughts and, and to develop your own unique ways of doing things, you know, to be, to be a unique person is, uh, I think it's nice to celebrate that, you know, um, and, 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 uh, and jazz has, has that element, uh, you know, we, you know, you're encouraged to be, you know, a player who, who has a unique style or a unique sound is, is, is is often celebrated somebody like monk or something like this you know and um and to be really improvising to think on your feet to be able to handle different kinds of situations gracefully in in a split second is a, is a great skill and that that can actually apply to all all endeavors in life you know and i like what i also like about jazz is the uh the community the community you can't play well Unless you are playing with a group of people that you like, that you like, and so there's a, a kind of a, a family kind of community there, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, of of people that that like to play together, and and it's necessary to work with other people and to play well with other people, and so these kinds of things are 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 I think positive, positive uh, life experiences that that actually can teach you how to enjoy your life and to and to uh, you know function well in the world you know you got to get along with people you should you should be you should think for yourself 
you know, these kinds of things. I think maybe perhaps people outside of jazz can could be inspired by those things, you know, and, and take those things and maybe maybe that could could influence them a little bit, you know. Um, but but uh, you either love jazz or you or you don't at all, and you either get it or you don't, and and. And so, so those of us who who love it, I think we those things are important to us, you know. And uh, and then there's just the sheer music. The music is, you know, if you if you like the music, then then that's what's really that's what we're all doing it for, you know. That's what we we enjoy the sounds of the music, and we enjoy things like playing blues and 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 things like. Uh, uh, singing a ballad, singing a song through your instrument, or you know, touching people emotionally, or inspiring people, or, or giving people energy from from a song that you write or that you play. And uh, I think um, those things are those things are are what gives music a lot of strength and and I think uh, influence. It's, I suppose it's a it's an old music now compared to like different styles that are evolving. And so even though you can hear the influence of it in uh, certain musicians that are maybe pop musicians or something you can hear. I mean, you can hear the jazz and Stevie Wonder music harmonically and just certain things that he does. I mean, he wrote Sir Duke for Duke Ellington, right? So there's jazz and pop music. You can hear it in even like um, certain singer styles like, um, oh, what's the English girl that died too young? Um, Ellie Whitehouse. Uh, Amy Winehouse, yeah, I mean, very jazz influence, you know, in her yeah. style, the way she sings, and so it's it continues to be a part of, of you know, music, um, you know, like uh, kind of like hip hop guys like Q-Tip and that they they are very much aware of jazz and and incorporate jazz flavor and jazz style. You know, he had a song that was like basically giant it was like a a, 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 loop, a a loop of two bars of giant steps you know yeah um so you know jazz is still around and it's still an important music it's it's um you know um unfortunately it doesn't doesn't have uh, the audience that it used to have it's not it's not a popular music anymore it's a bit more of a museum music and it's either that or, or it's uh, become, I, I, you know, well, I'm not, uh, it's a whole other question, I guess, but, but, uh, but why is jazz not as popular? It's not as, as so easy to answer, but there's probably a lot of reasons, but, um, but there are still young people that, 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 that appreciate it and there are still people playing it. And, uh, I mean, it will still find uh, a home as long as there are people making it and playing it and, and, uh, you know, so it continues. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about those jazz lovers and fans out there. What's one of the best compliments that you've gotten from a fan about your music? I suppose, like, when people say, oh, I can't, I couldn't stop, I listened to that song so many times, or oh, I love, I love that, or, or uh, you know, uh, I felt the emotion from that, or, or you know, um, it's always surprising. You never always know how music affects people and sometimes you make it and you forget about it or you, you you're not you're not aware but it's nice when people when people tell me that they listen to something a million times or that's one of my favorite songs or I've listened to that so many times and and uh that's that's always uh a nice compliment I think 
So I'm going to save the best for last, John. I want to ask you this. Everyone has a version of who you are, your family, your friends, the fans, mm-hmm. business associates. But when you wake up and face the world, who do you think you are? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm just a regular person, really, and I struggle with, with many things, just like all people struggle with, with different things. And I, I think that that's always changing. I go through periods where, where, um, where I might be struggling with something more than at other times. Um, sometimes I struggle with, um, I struggle creatively or I might be struggling financially or I might be struggling emotionally with different things. So it depends, I suppose. Um, I think there are times where I feel, I sometimes feel proud of myself and things that I have achieved. And then other times I feel, I feel down on myself and that I have to work harder and that I haven't achieved what I want. So it's, it's a little bit of an illusion sometimes. I think probably what the truth is, is that it's kind of somewhere in between, you know. There are always, um, I think, you know, it is a tough business. And so I think, um, um, you know, I still struggle to play, to, to, to play my own music as a leader and I struggle getting enough gigs as a leader. Uh, something I'm trying to do more. Um, and, um, so, uh, and I, you know, I struggle with, um, you know, money and things like that. That is not a lucrative business. So, so sometimes I, I question, you know, what I'm doing and I, I question, uh, you know, if, if what I'm doing is, is, is the thing that could make me the happiest, you know. Um, but these are all, I think, questions that everybody in their lives ends up asking at certain points, you know, no matter what they do, um, you always have to question what you're doing and, and to try to, to try to, to try to live the best life you can live and to, to see if it's, you know, to find the meaning in your life, you know. And there are always struggles no matter what you're doing. I mean, even, you know, even the great artists struggle or, or great business people struggle with their companies or struggle with things. There are always problems, problems and challenges. And so um, I think, you know, when I when I wake up in the morning, it, 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 uh, it, 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 it can vary, you know, what I think. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say that I'm kind of critical about myself. I'm not. I'm not prone to um, glowing or or resting on my whatever accomplishments I, I may seem to have. I usually am trying to push forward and trying to do something new and trying to make things better. I like that answer, man. That's a great way to kind of wrap everything up. Seamus, thank you very much. Good luck with everything. Thank you. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, London, Canada, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Seamus for his time and his stories and all that music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store, or Visit the Neon Jazz YouTube channel or for all things Neon Jazz, we're at neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.